Hello, and welcome to our Live Read LA Industry Insider podcast. I'm Tim Schilberger, founder, director, and host of Live Read LA, which if you don't know, is a reading series based in Los Angeles. We run regular competitions where writers submit scripts, and we select two to be read by professional actors in front of an audience and an industry insider. After the readings and the feedback from the insider, me, and the audience, we do a Q&A with our guest, which is what you're about to hear. This guest is one of my favorites, and not because he swears a lot, which he does. Malcolm Spellman is currently a writer-producer on the hit Fox TV series Empire. He's been a professional writer for many years, written all sorts of things, and as he's about to tell you, has ruined his career at least twice. He's also a man who spends a lot of time sharing his hard-earned knowledge with writers yet to break into this business. So his thoughts, opinions, and advice are all directed at helping the rest of us avoid mistakes he has made. So get ready, because Malcolm Spellman is about to give you the kind of advice you probably won't read in any screenwriting books. So, um, how did you get into this crazy thing? The writing thing? Yeah. It's, uh, I worked hard for, I think, like, I took writing seriously for about seven years before I broke in. Um, I don't know how many scripts I wrote, but you know, a good amount. And I broke in with a, uh, uh, I got, I mean, just worked out. I did a blind submission. I sent, I, there was one script where I knew, I kind of knew it was going to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, it's just sometimes you know, it's just the energy is different. Your writing has, it's like, it's, I still, shit, I'm still growing a lot as a writer, but this is about 16 years ago. It's that moment where like your idea and your leaps in your writing match up at the right moment. And so I knew I was, it's weird, I had a sense that I was gonna break in and I wrote this thing and uh, I mailed it to... What was it, was it a feature? It was a feature, feature? yeah. Yeah, it was right, the feature market had just died. So (laughs) (laughs) we didn't know for sure it was over. But we was finding out, um, <laughs> and uh, I submitted it to this agent at ICM, Sean uh, Williams. She's not in the business anymore, um, and to a friend of a friend who was a Fox exec. And Monday morning, my phone was ringing. It was ICM saying, "We want to represent you. We want to come like right now. Where are you at? You know what I'm saying?" It was nine in the morning, and by Wednesday, I had a couple offers from studios, and it was still. That's the highlight of my career. Shit was downhill after that. <laughs> so, so just just go back a step. Um, how old were you when you decided to commit? I mean, you said seven years before you had that week. So I, I probably I was it was in my twenties. I broke in right before I turned thirty. So, but what made you decide like I'm gonna do this? Like what? You know, it's funny when you're in your hometown. It's easy to bullshit and talk about what you want to do, whether you want to be a writer or a dancer or athlete or whatever. You can just talk about it and talk about it and talk about it, and people will entertain the bullshit. When you come to LA, people are starting to, this shit's starting to pop. So you're sitting there like, I talked, like I said, I was fucking around, maybe not not completing stuff. I didn't know how to type, you know what I'm saying? So I had a teacher, I was handwriting my shit, and you know, my girl would type it into what's called a document. And then the people I was around and in these little writers groups with 
were starting to sell scripts, you know what I'm saying? Starting to get in disappear. They don't, they don't call you no more. They like, <laughs> and it just gets very hard in LA to bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like they, whatever people want to say about the city, everyone takes this shit very, very seriously here. So, you know, I just, I got really, really focused. Like I couldn't, you know, I'm, I'm competitive or whatever. I couldn't be the only guy out of my writer's group. There was only one other dude who made it from the writer's group. But still, it's like, I'm still kind of cool with him. But I was like, nah, this motherfucker ain't about to <laughs> leave, me, leave me behind. Um, uh, but that, I think that's what it was, is just seeing that everybody in the city was, not, they weren't just talking, you know what I'm saying? They were, they were doing whatever it took to make it happen. So what, what did it look like for you um, turning that corner? Like, what, what changes did you make? What did you, when you got serious, what does that look like? It, it, it is, It's hard for me. It's different for I. So, oh, everyone's process is different. So yeah. So I had I was coming in from a very very non Hollywood. I didn't work in the business. I didn't have friends really in the business. So it there was a education process. Like I think the first thing I had to accept is because of where I come from and sort of what the things I put a premium on culturally didn't apply in Hollywood, and I had to start giving that shit up. I had to stop. The first thing I had to start doing was giving up what I thought the business should be, how I thought people should behave, because the shit where you come from, it just doesn't apply. It doesn't mean nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. whether you call it respect or, like, it does, none of that means nothing. You know what I'm saying? And um, another thing was I used to judge other writers' work, and I just can't write or this and that, which is embarrassing now when I read the shit that I broke in with. I'm like, <laughs> and I had to give that up because you start to realize your opinions on shit, it just doesn't mean nothing except for you. It literally has no value. What you think is good and what you think isn't, what you think the business shit doesn't mean anything except for you because everyone else is out there with their own opinions doing their thing. So it was really about I, I guess the global thing was becoming humble, um, 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 and then in humility that allowed me to start start uh, dealing with notes differently. Um, all of a sudden, it became a little bit more. I'm still I'm less and less confrontational each time I'm in the notes process, but there was a big leap I made in understanding this is my reaction to notes. I have not been winning. So now I need, to, I need to change that process again. I guess it comes back to humility and you need to start understanding that this person from walking into you, walk, you sit down in a room with someone that's giving you notes and at that moment you have entered a room that is not for you and it's not for them, it's for the project. And you have to let this be a process and see what comes out of it. Um, which brings me to another thing that I think, like I see with a lot of young writers, and I definitely dealt with it myself, is this idea of being done. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It kills people. It fucking, you think you did it, and it doesn't fucking matter how hard you worked on your script. If you haven't gotten to a point where you are readily able to generate material that gets you work, you're gonna, your shit is meaningless. Like, you wrote this script, and it's about to get torn to bits. And thinking that you were close, and thinking that you were done, 
just makes that process more painful. If you understand all I did was write some shit that's gonna get the game started on where it's really gonna go, and that doesn't mean you listen to everyone's notes, but it just means until you've learned to write on a level that you're winning regularly, all you're doing is writing good enough to get you in a position that people are gonna help you get this one thing to where you can win. So the global thing I think is humility and a bunch of shit that came in with, you know, came in with it. <clears throat> yeah, I know. I, I'm um, doing this process. Uh, I've had a couple of people write me feedback uh, after I, because I give them notes, and then I get feedback that says, "I'm really happy with where this is, and I, and I think it's fine, and uh, you know, or perfect, or or you know, done." And um, and they just sort of blow through the feedback. And it's like, oh, that, that's fine. That's your choice. I'm not going to. You know, it's, your, it's your work ultimately. But yeah, it, I know it's it's that's hard. probably number one for writers. It, it yeah. really is understanding. Don't go defending your work. If again, first thing is if you understand it's not done and it's not nowhere near done, it makes it a little bit, if, you, if you're really accepting that at a true level, it isn't that difficult to accept, well fuck, if this thing's not nowhere near done, then I might as well start hearing about some things that can help me get a little bit closer to getting to work. But I agree that that is, I see it in, I think a majority of writers I work with, it. I can tell when I'm telling them shit, they're not hearing me, you know, um, um, and they're defending the work, they're explaining why I'm wrong about what I'm saying. <laughs> and it's like, you know. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but it's hard, it's hard to do. I mean, how did you, did you do anything to, to do? You just sort of looked at it and was like, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna have to get serious, which means I'm gonna have to start listening more. You, well, you fail. I mean, if you really are serious about what you're doing, and not everybody's serious about what they're doing, and that doesn't mean they won't make it as a writer either, but, they might, you might harbor options of doing some other shit. And you'll definitely get sent that way, or maybe you're so fucking brilliant that even just casually, and it does happen to some people, there are, there's, you know, there's the kind of people that literally be like, fuck it, I'm gonna be a brain surgeon, and then go to medical school, and they, you know what I'm saying? Yes, but we all hate those people. Yes, and they really do exist. They're yes. just ardent people out there. But if you're serious about what you're doing, and you're not winning, it's gonna force you to a place where you change your behavior. And it was difficult for me. I was really, really arrogant. I was really, really green just as far as like dealing with, I had not been around successful people, so I didn't know how to interact with successful people. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you've gone to a good college, that's already given you an education in human interaction that a lot of us don't have, meaning that if you've gone to a good college, then you've been around people that come from money or are going to have money or have success, and you're seeing behavior showing up fucking late for meetings. It took me losing a gig to stop doing that shit when I was broke, you know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden it dawns on you, oh fuck, these people that are way more successful than me are never late, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, so. Yeah, it's just, it depends on, it wasn't an easy, it, this, like, this wasn't an easy journey at all for me, you know what I'm saying? And I destroyed my career twice. Like, it's not like this shit was just one day a click, you know what I'm saying? It was, I got far enough to get in, I was super hot, but because I hadn't learned enough, my shit died for three, three almost four years, just like zero, like after my phone ringing all the time, nothing including the people that like was fighting over me that like, get me on projects like not fucking with me you know what i'm saying like and so you know it, it, it's been an ongoing 
uh, has been a humiliating journey of humility. <laughs> so now, uh, Empire. Yeah. So explain how that all, I mean, and your, what, just what it's that like. That was on the heels, it's funny, they were trying to kill my career again. <laughs> but I was ready for them this time. Like, having had it happen twice, I saw that shit coming from a mile away. Um, <laughs> um, which is funny, you know, it's, uh, it's a stat that I think like the average career for a screenwriter is five years. Yeah. And if you think about that, what that means is the average screenwriter breaks in with a job, you're probably gonna get a second job on the heels of that. And then, the, the, and then so that's year one. And the next four years, ain't shit happening for you. And then you're out, you know what I'm saying? So you ain't, it ain't like you worked for five years and you left, it's just, you know what I'm saying? That's also, the metric also includes all the people like me or even on the other side of me who are having 20 and 30 year careers, it's even shorter. Um, coming into Empire, I had just come off a couple of good years and shit was getting cold again. Um, I was at this point much more equipped in how to deal with it, you know what I'm saying? Like I knew how to spec, I knew how to not have a stink of desperation on me, I knew how to talk to people about making shit happen as I'm seeing the shit slow down, you know, I'm like, oh fuck, I know what I need to do. I need to build this rescue hatch, you know what I'm saying, as it's coming. Fox had, uh, which is a relationship I built up, had asked me to be on a couple of shows. And because I was having good years, I was like, nah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm only doing my own shit. Which, by the way, is how I killed my career the first time. <laughs> <laughs> this time, as shit was slowing down, Fox is asking me again to start doing some stuff. And I'm like, oh, I better, you know what I'm saying? I, I see what's happening here. Yeah. The first thing that, the first show that they, that, they, that they brought my way, as things were slowing down, I still knew I didn't want to deal with it just for reasons I can't say publicly, but I was like, fuck no. And then Empire came and I, you know, I had a serious talk because it's like I knew I could do well on it because of the material. You know, I know hip hop well and I had actually written my own version, different, different tonally of a similar kind of pilot. But it wasn't still a slam dunk. It was me sitting there having to talk with my team about realistically your phone's ringing less and less. This is a show you know you can do well on. What are you gonna roll the dice on? And I had been humbled enough times, like, you know, fuck this, it's a big opportunity, let me go ahead and get into it. And I, and I did like it, like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna see this no, and be no. like, I did like it, but it wasn't just like, oh fuck, let me just jump on the first thing that comes my way, it was a, it was a discussion. Um, so, the journey-wise, I mean, the, the um, you, you know, looking back now, obviously you, you're telling, your, you would tell your younger self to be uh, uh, more humble earlier. Um, any other major pitfall you have managed to? It, it, it's different now. Like I think, like I work with young writers all the time. It is, I think, unfortunately now for writers, they kind of have to be producers of their own career. Um, when I first broke in, like my agent would do a monthly meeting with me and talk about where my career needed to go. That shit does not exist anymore. Like in general agents won't do anything for a writer, they'll package, they'll package your script, you know what I'm saying, they'll, they'll do that, but your manager's gonna be doing that work now. I didn't need a manager when I first broke in, right? So, writers now really gotta, and it's, it's fucked, because you shouldn't have to do this, you should just be writing, but you gotta start really getting clear on who you think you are in the market, 
what your work and your experience is, why it's gonna, like, the specificity is really, really important now. Um, if you're gay or handicapped or of an ethnicity or whatever, like, you need something that identifies that a specific ass person had a specific point of view in this material now because the competition is so much wider with the internet and everything. Every single writer that could make it, like I used to say for Hollywood, 95% of the people that can make it as a writer were making it already. And the internet has now met them, that other 5% are, are here. It's a lot of people that you're competing against. So you, you know, I, when, I, when I see these writers come in, I'm sorry, I'm rambling a little bit, but this is just, yeah. so I see young writers who right now, their form is way more professional than the writers that I saw or came up with, which isn't really a good thing because in the sloppiness and cast, I don't know how to do flood lines and my friend, you know what I'm saying, is specificity and the, and the mistakes you're making are usually from inspiration, whereas a lot of these young writers are so fucking savvy because they have access to so much that they're writing like pros, but you ain't a pro yet, you know what I'm saying? Like you aren't in a position where your writing is in service of something that needs to get made and maybe you don't know what that process, you don't know why that script that, you, that you're mimicking did what it did. So I would say I advise young writers to be ultra specific. That doesn't mean like your whole script, if you're an Arab, your whole script doesn't have to be about being Arab, but there damn sure should be an Arab character that comes in and lends that voice. Otherwise, what the fuck are you doing that other people can't do? Um, so I need Australians in every script I write? That's right. And yeah. just, just, just write everything in italics that says Australian uh, right, accent. Right, right. <laughs> every character says mate. Yeah, it is, again, I, I do think young writers in general are too savvy. I hear shit like white space. You gotta have a lot of white space on the script. <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, you're so far from understanding what it's gonna take to make it. I hear shit like vertical writing. I hear people obsessed like form Nazis and rule Nazis. And these motherfuckers will argue with you like there's a couple good forums, like there's Dundee Pros Forum, there's uh, Inside Pitch or whatever, and you'll go talk to amateur writers and say, dude, that shit doesn't matter, and they'll argue with you about you know whether it does or not. And it's like, it's because they have so much access to behind the scenes, to scripts that have been produced, to seeing Aaron Sorkin doing these fucking things, talking about screenwriting, that they haven't allowed what they consider flaws to come in and give them a style of specificity. Right, we only have uh, a few minutes, so um, Devin gets. Time. No, no, you're good. You've done well. Devin had the first question. Uh, her question was, um, what type of mix of things uh, would you recommend having in your portfolio when you're starting out? I think she's asking like whether it would be different genres or different. You know, when you're trying to get track attention, you're saying specificity. Now, Are you saying in genre as well? Or? So I say this. I definitely feel like I cost, and I don't regret it, but it hurt. My career probably didn't take off as quickly as it could have because I write all over the place. I work in comedy, I work in animation, I do drama, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and it took me a long time. I was like, I wanted to be Scott Frank, except for Scott Frank and Scott Frank, and I'm not. I probably never <laughs> will be. And you remember this. Whatever you're writing, remember that your reps have to pick up a phone and say, I'm representing Devin. And 
Devin is up for this job. Well, what is it? Is it a hard job? Yes. Why should I hire Devin on this hard job? Because she's a great writer. No. Right? Because she's written in this space and has killed it. Yes. Because, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because she is, she puts on the horror festival or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And so you don't have to limit yourself to one thing for a long time, but you're going to make your journey way more difficult. If you don't master a certain space, remember that your reps selling you as a great writer is way more difficult than selling you as someone who does what this specific job means. Right. So <clears throat> Nick shouldn't go and write a Shakespearean uh, Elizabethan <laughs> romance. <laughs> if you want to take an extra 10 years in a career, absolutely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You had, a, you had a question? I'm you sorry. actually had asked it in the first, but I was curious how you, how you broke in, but, you know. That's what I do. That's why I pay me the big bucks here. <laughs> um, does anybody have any questions for Malcolm while we're here? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, so I hope this doesn't make me sound like an idiot, but. So, yeah, so, so I'm a writer, I'm a white guy, and I want to promote, yeah, I want to write Diversely, I want to write characters who are diverse that represent the people I see every day in LA and Boston or from. Like it's a diverse world, but I feel like there's definitely that like default white problem where I write something, they see my last name, you know, Jim Uso, and they go, "Oh, well, these characters are probably white." So, am I being super pandery by saying just like Susan, 25, she's black, and then moving on? Like, does that sound really pandery? Does that make me sound like an idiot? Nah, you don't have to. Like, I mean, it doesn't it, in itself. What does it mean that she's black? You know what I'm saying? That's the that's the real thing is if you just use the descriptor and say she's black and she ain't and it doesn't and it, it doesn't have anything on the back end of that, it's not gonna hurt you. It just it just doesn't mean much. Um, again, I would argue that like where are you from? Uh, I'm we, from New England. So. Right. Like I would argue that like did you see uh, Manchester by the Sea? Yeah. Right. Like Lonergan taps into some New England ass shit with that. And he gets to work on all kinds of, like if you read his shit, it's tiny movies, you know what I'm saying? But he works on the biggest movies out because in doing that stuff and mastering who he is, they're like, fuck, we need a little flavor on these characters or we need this, and it just, it just turned into a way bigger career and he is one of the biggest writers out. So writing diversely is great um, but definitely tap into whatever it is that you have. Specificity is just I'm, I'm, I'm leaning into it because I do see it missing sometimes from 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 young writers. So, but that, that it doesn't matter though. If you want to say black, it, that's all good. Do you think uh, writers have, in your experience, do writers have a genre that, that sort of suits them? I mean, or are most of us capable of writing different genres, or do we kind of find our sweet spot? Most of the successful writers here are super smart and they're super ambitious. So they pigeonhole themselves, right? Because they're fucking winning and they want to keep winning and they keep moving up the food chain. They keep getting bigger and better jobs based on this thing. And they very, they don't branch out that much. They could, but they don't want to because they're fucking killers, you know what I'm saying? And that's, so yes, most can, but most don't, you know what I'm saying? And then there are people like Scott Frank who kind of just, you know, United the Museum, Logan, Little man Tate, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just he just writes, you know, he can write, he can pretty much write anything. Um, but most most writers do a thing pretty well. They own a space, 
and that success gets good to you and you just keep doing that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyone? Lady back. So you got your start basically in the industry by sending a, a submission blindly to an agent, but that was 15 years ago. So what would you kind of recommend to like up and coming writers or aspiring writers that are trying to get their work out there? Because I feel like there's so many different options now, which is like a good thing, but can also be challenging. Would you say that you know, make one series or submit to competitions or all the above, like what do you think, even though there's never one way to break in, what do you think would be like the best route to take to get your work put out there? I think, number one, agents are, it's a waste of time now. Like agents, if you're not a working writer, they don't really need you. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, they don't even need you if you're a working writer now. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's probably within the last five years that managers have really become the new starting point pretty much exclusively. There aren't really any more writers now who come up without managers. If you, some motherfuckers break in and get so hot so quickly they don't need it, but 97, so start with managers. Um, the big contests are good. Um, I'm an advocate of the blacklist because I know a couple, I've, I've seen a couple writers actually get repped off that. Um, um, so that's, that's an amazing resource. Um, I do like a couple of those writers forums. It's just a good place like this guy, uh, F. Scott Frazier started off on uh, Dundee Pro Forums. I mean, I got to watch the dude come up. He, he passed me up, shit, you know what I'm saying? Um, so those are the spaces, like all the stuff you're talking about, I think like it's almost now better to submit to producers than it is agents. Like agents are so pointless. I'm not saying don't do it, but I just, I just can't imagine. So yeah, all the stuff you named, um, um, and now yeah, we definitely are in an era like you look at how Issa did it. We definitely live in an era where if you can, the further you can take the ball yourself, because again, it's about competition, and that's you know you're up against Issa Rae. You know what I'm saying? And she went and did her own shit and got hot like that. You know, doing a web series. So it, it is it, it, as the technology makes it able for writers and directors and filmmakers and creatives to do more and more on their own. They're also raising the bar on what you gotta do. Like, you know, lookbooks, presentations, sizzle reels, all that shit is entering the picture mm -hmm. for even us on a professional level, let alone people trying to cut in. Um, how many, oh, I'm gonna ask one. The, the amount of scripts, like, um, I know there are a lot of people probably in this room who, who think I've written a really great script um, and they tend to write that. Uh, I mean, how many, at what point, it, I mean, you know what I mean, it's like, you read things where they say, oh, it's, it's on your 10th screenplay that you start to kind of get the hang of it, um, and, uh, you know, when, like, if someone's writing their first screenplay, do they just sort of write that off, it's like, I know this is going to be shit, and uh, I just, I'm, I'm going to write it, and then I'm going to move on to the second one, or do you try and make the first one, or then, like, I think what Devin was saying too, with a portfolio, as you sort of launch yourself into these competitions and you start to attract attention, is it handy to have a certain number of scripts in your back pocket or to be like, yeah, that was the one I wrote, you know, this, this year and I've got nothing else, but give me six months. I mean, I, what do you... I, do you... I almost, I've never, my boy, Brian Koppelman, first script was Rounders. Oh. And that got made, yeah. but fuck him, you know right. what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't think it's fucking possible to write a couple of scripts and be good enough or together enough 
to make a mark. If you can, you'll know because you're so dope. If you got that kind of talent, the, it, this, the one thing that has not changed is this town will come to you. Like I knew, I swear to God, I didn't know nobody in Hollywood, really, but I knew when I was writing the script that broke me in, I was like, fuck, I hit a level here, this shit is gonna go, you know what I'm saying? So I think it is in general, I'm on to the next anyway, that's my personality. Um, that would be my advice for most writers too, fuck what you just wrote, you know what I'm saying? What are you writing next? And let that lead the way. Um, and if you got a script that got a response, then the, the thing that should be popping to your head is, okay, this got a response, this got me into, uh, into contests and shit, can I do it again? And how quickly can I do it again? Um, and I do see, um, it is a curse of when writers hit that little, that window, that five-year market thing that I came up against or whatever, there are writers I know who basically having tasted this, you're not in once you're in, once you've made a little money or whatever and broken in and gotten some reps and people have told you you're special. Um, this is a, a it's a, I talked about this on Mason's podcast before. You are not special, but this town will convince you you are, and you will be convinced that your story is unique, and that yeah, Malcolm is saying that my shit wasn't special, but he doesn't know my shit was really special, right? <laughs> and then as soon as you hit that adversity, if you haven't been smashing and writing new material because you're excited to and you're a creative person and you have new material, you will fuck around and fall into that five-year window. And, I, and like I said, I see it. I see it on writers at the 10-year mark. I see writers that had careers that were kind of middling like mine or whatever and never caught onto that thing that takes it to the next level. And because they, they got used to writing for money, they didn't write nothing new ever. And when shit got cold, they kept waiting, they kept waiting, they kept waiting, and even then you hit the window happens for you at 10 years at that. So right. definitely keep writing. And so in a nutshell, I would abandon most of, that's the way I do it. Like whatever I wrote before, I don't give a fuck about it anymore. It's whatever's next. Right, right. Yeah, I, I know going to conferences and places like this too, the, um, the message is always what no one wants to hear is that you've got to keep writing and you've got to keep rewriting. The uh, rewriting is the bigger one too. Yeah. Well, that's a whole, we did a whole thing on that. But we, and we're out of time now, so we'll, next, we'll bring you back and you can talk about rewrite. Great. Right. Um, we have one more job. But firstly, thank you to Malcolm. Thank you. <laughs> we have um, one thing that I forgot to mention earlier. We have a... No, I can't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Melanie, everyone. Melanie, who makes this giving away a, uh, a signed copy of the screenplay to Loving, written by written and directed by Jeff Nichols. He has signed it graciously for us, and we are giving it away. You get to pick the winner. I will pick the winner. So it might be someone in this room, it might be someone who submitted or who showed up at the last one. It is Anthony Giambusa. Oh. He's here. <laughs> Um, just one thing before we go, thank you so much for coming everyone. And TJ O'Brien is up there in the back. His flyer is on the front. If you like what we're doing, he, we're, like, we're like the gateway drug. Um, TJ does this weekly. Uh, it's called the Coronet Writers Lab. Um, you get 30 minutes, uh, you, have, you um, cast from whatever actors show up, they do the cold read, you get to hear your notes. You do it, uh, you show up every week, you keep writing, you, you have to go up once a month, he makes you. 
Uh, we, I've, been, I've been doing it for about 15 years and I literally sometimes on Sunday nights I'm writing just so I can have the 30 pages ready uh, so it doesn't hit me. But it actually makes me write. Uh, so it's, I, I encourage you if, you, if you want to do this on a more regular basis, talk to TJ, he's graciously here. There he is. And, uh, and there's a flyer, so take one out of the way. Otherwise, thank you so much. Our next one, our um, submissions are open now for our next competition. Um, I think we're doing it April the 17th-ish. Um, at a venue to be named later. And, uh, um, and uh, well, our next insider we will name later too. It won't be as good as Malcolm, but we'll try. <laughs> You've been listening to Malcolm Spellman, writer-producer on the Fox TV series Empire. Malcolm's insights have been really important for us here at Live Read LA. It reinforced our feeling that today's writers are getting plenty of help on structure and all the technical details of a script, but not enough support on the creative side, especially when it comes to giving your audience an emotional connection to characters. That connection really makes the script stand out from the pack. Trust me. I've read almost 600 scripts for our competition so far, and only a couple really made me feel and connect with the main characters. It's so important to us, we've created workshops to help writers develop that emotional bravery. You can check out all the details on those, along with ways to submit to our reading competition, and even some personal consulting options on our website, livereadla.com. That's all for now. We'll be back soon with another fascinating insider. I'm Tim Schulberger. Thanks for listening. Now get back to writing. <laughs>